0: so a warm welcome to you all this evening let me know if you can't hear me or if the microphone is it's not quite loud enough okay that means i bring it closer to my mouth since i can't do anything about the volume (coughs) i forgot to turn it on (laughs) please edit this out of the tape okay (laughs) Let me see if there's any embarrassment. (laughs) Nope. Not not a flinch. (laughs) Okay, so uh, tonight we're going to uh, continue the excursion into the fundamentals of the Dharma. I hope people are feasting on these, uh, these meals of Dharma. I think they're such, they're like wonderful nuggets diamonds in the rust rough that we have thought that we knew all about and then when we start looking at them again and dusting them off we see that we knew very little about them and that there is much more that they can uh, nourish us and so uh, tonight is one of those hopefully for all of us and that's on renunciation and when I say that I know you're cringing cause well i mean i don't know if you cringe but i did for many years because the word by definition i looked it up says the formal rejection of something it's a terrible definition <laughs> but that's what the vocabulary uh definition is for the word when we use it we were we're a renunciate and suddenly we get this picture of somebody who's a, a unabomber Or or perhaps in its best light, living in a darkened monastery and reclusive and very insulated against the world and uh, very uh, turning his or her back from the events of the world. And uh, a sense of self-deprivation often. Uh, And it's funny that the word uh, holds an austerity and a contraction, rather than a virtue and an expansion which is really the true definition of renunciation or if we define it in the correct way it's a it's a virtue it's a it's a beautiful way to live and it's exactly in accord with a kind of openness and inclusivity that the dharma the dharma relishes so it's not an awkward word for me anymore but it may take some redefinition on all of our parts to put it in proper order the reason i continue to use it because i've thought of other words like surrender or release but those words don't really carry the full embodied uh, idea of renunciation renunciation is it's almost a lifestyle it's a way of looking it's a way of being in life in a kind of active and a discerning way <clears throat> which i hope to uh, flesh out tonight for us uh, but let's take the definition and kind of move with it. You no know, I uh, I was uh, once in a retreat with a very um, well-known reputable monk Ajahn Sumedo this is about twenty years ago is at cloud mountain and I was with a bunch of uh, people who had left the monastery. They had all lived in the monastery. Those were the students that had gathered around him. And so they were all ex-monks or ex-nuns or people who had lived in the monastery for a long period of time. And after the retreat was over, they, uh, there was just a, an outpouring of remorse for having given up that lifestyle and how, oh, they were so sorry that they'd ever come into lay life and all that. And I just, it just, to a, I just, it was everything i could do to raise my hand and said you know what are you doing you're 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 throwing away your life if you want or wish that for yourself go do it because your life's never going to work in any other direction when you carry that kind of that kind of idea that this is the only system that will work for me this is the only environment that i could ever be uh, awakened within and I, w- I began to think you know that their sense of renunciation was the sense of of simplistic living, not living with simplicity. And that uh, they had a a way of sort of narrowing down their options, which they felt was somehow holier than having all the options available. And that really what you renounce uh, is uh, any alternative to where you are that's the true renunciation is it not so that if people were real renunciates there instead of proclaiming they wish they had continued the renunciation of life they would simply say this is the way I am period I offer no excuses no apologies nothing this is it I say that with some force and energy because it's so embedded in us that we think we're in the wrong place you know that we are if we just had it together or if our spiritual lives were In accordance we would be somewhere where we're not on retreat that's the lay equivalent to a monastery but not home with our children or not involved in a work environment or whatever we're doing whatever all of us are doing and it's that simple sense of okay i'm renouncing any alternative life than the one i'm living And suddenly the energy for living that life becomes fully embodied and that's renunciation you see so it's not forced living or forced contraction or living in some kind of austerity that's imposed upon us and thinking that's holy that's really asceticism the buddha spent the first six years of his wandering ending asceticism for all of us forever hopefully by proclaiming that was not the way now he remained a monk but it was because he had to be something and he just chose to be that <laughs> so so did we we chose to be something this is what we are now we can bring this full embodied energy into that and proclaim it forth you see but if you turn if you turn even A quarter of an inch away from that you're lost it it's not there for you anymore because you've brought forth a life in which you cannot possibly lead and believe me you will bleed within this one when you have an alternative life so there's this beautiful way that renunciation is really means showing up and owning owning ourselves perhaps for the first time but for Westerners Uh, renunciation you know we feel yes a full embodied life but i'm not going to give up anything you know it's like okay he says i don't have to give up anything and i can be spiritual and never have to sacrifice or release or inquire or, or contest or even investigate any of the joys or comforts that i have and so westerners take it to the other extreme you see this is the middle path (laughs) I'm not suggesting we all go to the monastery but I am suggesting that there is an ongoing questioning about where we are have rested our life upon things that can never give us what we believe they can that's also a false life is it not so you don't have to change anything to 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 access that questioning but we do have to question and Westerners are too afraid this is this is where the western philosophy and dharma really are in conflict i mean there's just no way around it you know because the definition for success as a western life is is to to live within extreme comfort and that success is defined by how comfortable we are really but That's not the definition of a a spiritual life. A spiritual life wants to see what the essence is, what's the essence of life, and where am I leaning on life to ask it to give me something that it can never possibly give me. And so that, that requires us looking at our life and really coming to terms with where it is that we're, we're asking more from it than it could ever give us now there's a beautiful way to cut to the chase uh, that um, helps us with that questioning and that is to bring in the subject of death and dying and that's why i do it so frequently because if you want to know what you can rely upon it'll be what is left after you die Right? So that cuts out a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Or, said differently, that which does not die or grow old or need repair or break down. And that's what you can rely upon. Everything else that does break down or change or alter in some ways is not a guarantee for your happiness and so we can back our way we can just question our way into a very gentle form of renunciation by just looking and seeing what remains uh, unaged without with, uh, uninfluenced by the aging process yeah, not very much is it and yet there's something uh, beautiful about that questioning because it does make us look and see what are we relying on in this? What are we cherishing in this life? What are we, what are we counting on to be there for us? Uh, and so the way we work it is very interesting. So we have our comfort, and then we don't want to give up any of our comforts, most of us, we want to keep those in place, and then somehow we're going to bring our spiritual life in the midst of all that comfortable leaning, and somehow have a quality spiritual life, while we lean okay so that's one way to do it i guess another way to do it is to establish the intention feel the deep intention of heart uh, and then let the lifestyle form around that intention of heart so that within our intention of heart whatever the deepest longing for our lives is and it can be said in many many different ways but say, my deepest longing is for me to be conscious, as opposed to being uh, conditioned and within my conditioned way of being. I want to be conscious. So, if if that yearning is sufficient, then build your life around that yearning, rather than to try to find consciousness within all the comforts. And there doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with comforts. It just means that the the established intention to use my life in this way will then be addressing the comforts we do bring back as to whether those are relevant to this particular intention or not and so the focus on what is important and let our lifestyle form around what is important to us rather than the vice versa of that which is how most of us do it considering you know consideration of of intentionality and how we live so uh the buddha uh, in his uh, youth when he was just a young uh, wanderer uh, he said uh, he said this to to himself even i myself before my awakening when i was still an unawakened bodhisattva thought renunciation is good seclusion is good but my heart didn't leap at it it didn't grow confident or steadfast or firm seeing it as peace the thought occurred to me what is the cause what is the reason why my heart doesn't leap at this the word renunciation doesn't grow confident steadfast or firm seeing it as peace then the thought occurred to me i haven't seen the drawback of sensual pleasure so i like that because he really shows us the way forward to a to a, towards simplification the way i was uh, stating lifestyles you know if you have all the comforts around you but you never want to question the comforts because you're afraid that, that then you'll have to give those comforts up so then you never question the dependency you have on sensual pleasures You never really feel what life is like in a more simplified form when you aren't addicted to the comforts that our lives offer. And so from that way, you'll never grow out of the addicted needs that most of us have towards a greater and greater comfort level. But if you start addressing life and seeing what's the value and limitation, let's just ask questions of conscious, conscious questions about these things rather than hide, hiding behind them and pretending them to be something they'll never be so then we, we take mm-hmm. it on in that direction we see the limitations of what life can offer us there is a natural organic movement towards simplicity not a forced one you see renunciation isn't you know wearing a hair suit it's not asceticism it's not forcing pain upon us it's what seeing does naturally, organically. When we see the limitation of something, we give it up. Why would we want to maintain something that we, when we see that it's not going to give us what we thought it was? It's like if somebody lies to you again and again, how many times are you going to believe them? You think, okay, I, I, fool me once, okay, and then after that it's, I'm just being stupid. So, But life is continually repeating its stupidity. (laughs) And we're buying into it each and every time. Because we just won't look. Just won't look. This is a game of looking. This is a game of seeing. This is the willingness to look. Wherever it is, even the most cherished area of our life, or we just don't want to go, you know, it's too... Okay, so let's just be honest with that fact, rather than pretending that it's anything other than my denial that's keeping me here. Let me just honor the fact that I'm not up to this right now. I'm denying it. That's fine. Wherever we start in honesty is a good place to start. We don't have to force ourselves into being more honest with something than our natural inclination is. But if we're not honest, if we're not being honest, let's be honest with the fact that we're not being honest. Wherever we start in honesty, that's the movement forward. You see, you don't have to move any farther than where your honesty is. The honesty will move us forward. You'll find that the natural tendency of the heart, when you're honest, the heart will come out. When you're dishonest the mind will be so barricaded behind its defense mechanisms that it won't allow any breathing space for the heart. But when we're honest that's the heart that's saying okay this is the fact I've got to deal with this fact. Now the heart is unremitting in settling with facts that compromises its freedom. And so you can be sure where you're honest it's going to continue a relentless questioning about are you ready yet? <laughs> are you Come on just be, feel it see what it's like it's going to keep bringing you whatever it is that you don't want to see it's going to keep preparing you for the readiness to see it is it so fair enough you want that don't you i mean that's what we're doing here but the only way in order for that to occur is for us to be honest from day one when we started this series the first the first class the first talk was on denial. Because that is rock solid. If we are denied, denying and refusing to look, it's over. It's over. There's nothing, there's nothing that can budge. This is the conditioned way that most people in the world are. They have a series of denials and they refuse to look. It's a willful act to refuse to look at where they're being, where they don't want to see. They, uh, I'm not going to look. So there's nothing, anything, anyone, there's no force, nothing. There's no Buddhist inquisition to get you to move forward in this. That's it, it's over. So, but, but there's a curiosity. Like, what now, what is it? Why, why don't I want to see this? What could, why would I be so afraid of this? now I'm not saying that some things don't take a lot of time if we have abusive histories that takes a lot of time and it takes many many different tools and uh, and help and sessions and a lot of time to work with that but just keeping the curiosity of 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 heart forward so that it can it can move into a greater and more honest direction with whatever the problem may be most of our histories aren't quite that traumatic and so we can move forward quite readily in some of this stuff but it's a matter of looking at some painful issue that we have believed about ourselves that's really the the extent of the heart of the hardest problems is what we believe about ourselves even though i can assure you that they're not true you can assure me with even more force that they are and that's why we stay uh we stay a distant from it so okay there's a readiness for this and not all of us are going to meet that readiness uh but I don't know, when you come here, hopefully one of the influences when you do come is an encouragement to look at some difficult areas of our life. And to just own them and to respect them, but to also know that uh, the way through uh, dharma is by addressing this, by really being willing to look gently, caringly, lovingly at whatever it is that we're so afraid of. And that's all that's really necessary in keeping this thing going. And that's when the simplicity comes, because when we see, it's amazing really, it's it's quite extraordinary how it happens. One of the, I'm not making this, this next statement is not, it's just for me, it's just how I have seen, okay? So I'm not suggesting that all of you throw away your cell phones, okay? But for me, I don't have. I, I heard somewhere where 92% of adults have cell phones. I don't even. Ha- I, those are smartphones. I don't even have a cell phone, and I don't do that because I don't. I don't have a cell phone. Not to make. Because I, I. Somebody will sit down with me. They'll show me all the gadgetry, like my the computer science brother, who's just here. He shows me this app where you can stand outside and see the constellations and the thing will show you what the con- I thought wow that's really neat it is and then he's hoping the next statement is I'll go buy one
1: <laughs> and I think it's
0: really interesting but I won't I it, it, but then he then the conversation ends and I don't have any energy to do it it's just like it's not going to add to simplicity for me it's just not going to make my life more simple in fact, email doesn't make my life more simple. Does it make your life more simple? No. But that's okay. You know, there's there's ways that you have to correspond to stay connected, but there's a limit for me just in my own, I don't need this. It because simplicity to me is the trumps uh the excitement of gadgetry. And I like gadgets. I do. But it trumps it because it's just like okay instead of doing all this stuff all day long or why you drive <laughs> I can just be quiet. And there's a love for quiet that comes organically. It's not forced. I didn't train myself to be quiet. I was I'm not a you know that's that was not my style in fact uh, if i look at old report cards when i was in grade school all of them have an extra thing that the teacher filled in and says talks too much <laughs> and so they're all checked <laughs> conduct that's what they called it back then. so but it just started coming when you just see what you, our life is built upon and you see what is needed and you begin to look and ask questions about it, much of it falls away. Ownership, pretty much ownership falls away. (coughs) That might sound very stark to you. A very drab life. It is not a drab life. It's a very precious life, I feel. I feel the quality of life in ways that I never felt it before i feel like the rub of it is very immediate so i just i just want to point us into some kind of because the west is just out of out of sorts here and it's not you feel like it's coming together more i mean you have all the the technology now what's it supposed to do is it supposed to entertain or is it supposed to allow us to come together I don't feel like it's bringing us together. I can't tell you why. A lot more communication is happening, but somehow it's not connecting us. There's something about connecting us as opposed to communicating between us that's not occurring. And I believe that only silence can do that, not chatter. I'm sure the chatter meter has move beyond limits but the silence meter hasn't so i just think that there's a way that we can do this we can do this thing but, and it doesn't require it doesn't require a lot it's just like pausing you know on retreat i do this many of you have been ret- on retreat with me so you know that but when we ring the bell that calls us to the sitting and when people hear the ring they stop No matter what they're about ready to do, they have five minutes to get to the meditation hall, but before they are rushing to do whatever they need to finish it up, the ringing of the bell is a call to life, not a call to activity. So you hear the bell, you stop, you allow, you reconnect to life, you reconnect to the silence that is the bell rather than letting the Bell tell me what is the next thing I need to do which is just more conversation and more prodding we hear we enter life rather than to act upon it you see but everything is a Bell around us we just have to learn how to hear it so that we can acquire or access that meaning It doesn't mean, everything we see from the mind's point of view, everything means something that has a further meaning. Somebody honks at us, I must be doing something wrong. And anyway, what's he honking at me for? It all sets off this chain of events, mostly built upon our pain. And the dominoes just keep falling. And they've never stopped falling. Right? So what meditation is meant to do is pull out one of the dominoes. that's renunciation that's turning the whole thing upside down that's why when we were sitting I was suggesting okay let's just really renounce in this city it doesn't mean we do anything special we just don't let the compelling narrative move us and journey us forward we stop that we stop the mind streaming of our life to whatever it is that we've done that we can't put down or whatever it is we're going to do that we're worried about. All of that is just the force of our continuation of being unconscious. And And that is what gives us meaning, is that force and compelling nature of the momentum of our story. So what does it look like for a moment to step out of our story? It's the same thing as what happens when the bell rings on retreat. It's like, damn, I have to stop now. It's like we build a new story, now a story of repugnance about having to stop. That's, the, that's not renunciation. That's protesting, right? That's aversion. That's like impatience. Oh, I have to, anybody moving yet? Oh, there's somebody moving, now I can move get going again you know we're just kind of waiting in holding ourselves on leash what does it mean to pause you see if we're not willing to take a single moment out and see what it's like to drop it to drop drop down There, you just did it. Now you can, you can sense a wonderment. You can sense it. You can sense something that is truly, truly what? I don't know. Truly beyond description. Certainly beyond a story-driven life. Certainly beyond that. Where do we think the sacred resides at the end of our tail, or at the of renouncing our tale? You see, this thing has to stop. <laughs> it has to stop for the sacred to show itself. And it can all it needs is our willingness that's all it needs it's that close does it need a different environment do i need to be a monk do i need to go on retreat do i need this to I... no the flat fires uh... the flower sermon by the Buddha. There you just got it. This is a if it weren't natural, if it weren't something that was intrinsic to life itself, if it was some kind of holding back and for preparation, you know, if it was me doing it then it would just be more noise it would just be me doing it with a different story and a different output this is quiet this is silence this is stillness this is what renunciation means it means willingness to experience life free of noise in its most simplified way why because when we look at what we're saying to ourselves it doesn't jive with the truth I mean, we don't give up the story because we want to be quiet, we give up the story because it's telling us a lie. That's what brings us to quiet. It's not a forced, okay, I'm going to be quiet. Because you just be quiet with a, with a, a sense of egoic posture in it. Now, how, how, I can be quieter than she is. Look how quiet I am. I hope the teacher calls on me. How quiet are you? I'm very quiet. <laughs> <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is a very different, you see, it's, that's what re, renunciation, there's a, um, Krishnamurti, a teacher, one of my first teachers in the 1970s, early 1970s, he said something, he said, seeing the faults as the faults. And I said, what does that mean? Seeing the faults as the faults. Seeing the faults as the faults. So I just started thinking, what does that mean? Seeing the and then, so I would start matching the words. This is the reason I read that poem tonight. Start matching the words of what my thought said something was to the experience of what actually was there. Right? Just wanted to see it. Wanted to see the difference. We've all learned it. Okay. There's the breath. And now here's what I think about the breath. I'll tell, what I tell people, you know, yeah, I'm breathing, I, yeah, I felt my, all that. Okay, so that's, where is the breath in all that conversation? It's like it's lost, there's nowhere to be found. And so I, the words are like, at best, remote, remote pointers to something. They're not connected to life at all. And when I'm living with thought, I must not be connected to life at all. It must be going down at a level that I'm not participating in at all. My conversation is participating. Every once it drops in, it has an experience, it comes back and talks about that experience but doesn't stay down there long before it's aversive and turns around and flies back up into thinking. And so there's this layer of narrative. And the layer of narrative, and I remember seeing this as one of those, where were you when?" Wow, I'm not in touch at all with life. It's passing me by. I'm sitting here talking as if I know all about it, and it is not even connected. I'm not even connected with it. It was a revelation. But it was the first indication of the lie of thought. Right? It does the best it can, but it can't do anything if it's not connected with what it's supposed to be talking about. All it can do is form opinions about what it sees, rather than see what it sees. And you think, okay, so what, okay, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna live on that level. And when we start looking at what any single word is, anything, me, 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 what is me? You see, suddenly you get, I really don't know what I am. I mean, I've always thought I knew. I have an image of what I know I'm to be, but I really don't know. And that spirit of heart, that yearning of heart that says, I can't live like that. I can't live three feet away from myself, claiming some knowledge of me that I have no experience with whatsoever. I can't do that. Where am I in this? See, those are are questions of renunciation. Those aren't being force driven. I'm going to reject, I'm going to deny, I'm going to... It's not turning my back on beautiful sights because I'm what? I don't know why you would turn your back on a beautiful sight has nothing to do with denying life nothing to do with denying life i want full access if i'm not fully accessible to life then i can't ask questions about it because i'm afraid or denying it or what and what am i afraid of what am i afraid of why am i turning my back on this beautiful thing you see i that, that, that i want this without limits which is why i teach lay life as a monk, I was a monk. I felt this is too limiting. I can't ask enough questions from this. I'm contained here. Many people, I'm not putting it down, for me, it was not the right livelihood. This is the right livelihood, but it's not the right livelihood without the spirit, because it contains all of the incentives for you to be unconscious but it also contains all the incentives to be unconscious that you can know so you can know them you can use your life to know why you are unconscious or you can use your life to continue being unconscious because it's only it's very that's it really that's that's the that's the way either you continue Mm. to justify the denial you're in, or you're willing to look at the pain of the denial and step out of it. Those are really the options. There aren't very many other, there aren't any other options available for us. That's the reason I don't care what your experience has been in the past. I could care less. I had an awakening experience ten years ago, the, put, you want to put me to sleep, tell me that. <laughs> what's it like now for you this is never about what has been this is always current and that is independent of the past no matter what that past was independent this moment stands independent and so we can renounce the past because it is independent So here we can sit, you see, untroubled. And an emotion arises. It's part of it. It's not all pleasant, believe me, but it's part of it. So I'm not fleeing my emotion. I'm not going to flee anything. Nothing, it doesn't say anything so if it doesn't say anything then i have free expression here if it implicates me then okay then i'll put my head between my tail or knees or whatever the expression is and but if it doesn't it's a releasing just releasing that's the ongoing water through a sieve just as we were sitting you know just as sitting like everything is just falling through nothing is being nothing is being constructed everything the water is falling through the sieve as we sit it's just that it's not like i've got to work on that what am i going to say tomorrow in that meeting you can do that you can prepare just don't prepare in your meditation let that be the one time when you're truly going to be a renunciant. Do you see? Don't story tell. Or you'll start linking meditation with storytelling. And then when you sit down, you'll go into more and subtle stories. This is what I've always done. And it'll become conditioned as part, let that be the pure moment. You can do as much as you want to around it. But when you're sitting, let there be that let it be what it's supposed to be and then you won't fool yourself because you can very easily do that especially when nothing its like you just go sink down into very subtle forms of thought and just kind of floating along and you just can drift like that forever in meditation you might as well just get up You're just reconditioning the pattern of thought streaming back into yourself at a more subtle level. That's not the value of what meditation offers. It offers a a possibility of renunciation. Of letting this go, letting the tale go, letting the story drop, hearing the bell and not being impatient with it the willingness to hear the sound of the bell the willingness to hear the texture of the emotion rather than just follow what we've always thought it meant to us every pain doesn't represent the early childhood injury it's just that it's just this it's just Now we know renunciation, you see. It's a, if once a while, you know, if you really want to get a sense of what it feels like to be a true renuncier, ask whether the air owns what it surrounds. it surrounds it completely. So, too, awareness surrounds but does not own. Awareness is the true renunciation. It doesn't leave it, it doesn't depart from it, it doesn't turn its back from it, it doesn't object to it. It surrounds it but never claims ownership, just like the air. Now make the air alive. And you can get a sense of where this takes us. And that's renunciation. And that's what it means to be alive. Because. When we are truly uh, truly renounced, we are fully alive. We are not going into some kind of darkened hole within ourselves. We are coming into our aliveness. We are springing out of ourselves into aliveness. And that's my wish for all of us. Can we sit for a moment or two? So how do we sit? You can feel the silence around you. It's okay. It's completely safe. It's completely safe. It's the safest thing. You can't find a safer thing than quiet. Why not just give our life over to it? Come and get me. Come on, I'm tired now. Come on and get me. So, if you have any questions or comments, I'd be happy to. Yes? If we could just make it as uh, uh, short and as concise so I have to repeat it back into the tape, that's all.
1: Yes, yes. And then the second, um, so any thoughts around that? Sure. And then the second thing is, so I've been meditating for about a decade on a daily basis, and I still struggle with the basics, so I very much feel like a newcomer. Yes. But um, I feel like through those years, I've noticed there were times where I felt like I was sort of more connected with that, um, how I wanted to live my life, which is not from intellect, but from art. Yes. And then... Where was I in right. that three years right. of my life? Right. And so is that just sort of normal that we're going to be hit with
0: harder things and then it's a lot harder to connect with that space we want to live from? Right. Okay. So I'm 65 and I can't remember your first okay. question.
1: <laughs>
0: so, okay. I can. Uh, <laughs> I know a lot about that the uh, the sense of, um, of 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 tapping into this and all of us uh, as a collective can do it f- quite frequently as you can see in groups if we're willing to all just move the common psyche of us all can move into a very still place uh, and you can get a sense of it and even tonight you probably did and you go wow that's amazing and then things start happening around you and we are completely lost within the movement and activity and the quality of the dancing of form right okay so that is to be expected that is to be expected that you come in and out that the dips are very um infrequent because the momentum what where we're talking about the momentum of consciously uh, the thought streaming consciousness It far outweighs the small times that we spend dipping into the sea. Now, you don't have to match it one chip for one chip, right? Because the dip of stillness has a... It's like it affects the thought streaming in its entirety. And so when you start experiencing silence, it goes much quicker than you might suspect if that's to give you emphasis (laughs) if we have the intention to move in that direction but what happens is we get so uh, filled we get so fulfilled by the entertainment quality because we haven't seen the limitation of entertainment that what the hell I'm gonna go back and entertain myself because it's a little scary it's a little scary to be quiet we all have to honor the fact that it's a little it's a little f- frightening to be quiet I remember when I was a, a young child I would come back in and perhaps the house was quiet for a short period of time at night I can remember and I was just like like it was just scary to me right it, it felt like uh, I would always picture some kind of <coughs> evil thing you know in quiet so for a long period of time I had that condition so but basically we know that something has to be given up in order to get this there's this understanding and we're not sure we want to give it up we love it when we have it it feels very fulfilling but at the expense of what what is this asking from me because when I'm quiet you know I'm quiet I am quiet, and so it seems to be asking something that I'm not sure I want to I wanna move into. So all of that is the reason it seems to take so long, and the reason that we get caught up for a long period of time in the entertainment quality or the, or the um, comfort quality of life. But what you have going for us, what we all have, is that sense of, wait a minute, I remember that sense of quiet once you've experienced it it's like it's there's a taste that it gives you that nothing else can approach there was a a time in the buddha when he was a a young man he was watching he's a young boy he's watching his father do a, a ceremonial planting in this field he was sitting under a tree and he was he felt that moment of absolute stillness and then years later after he was a wanderer and ascetic monk and he realized asceticism was not going to work for him he says i don't know how i don't know what to do now this isn't working for me and he remembered that one taste and he says, i don't know i think that has something to offer and then he pursued that one taste so it's, we can never get out of the one taste. That's why we're all locked into this thing. That's why we keep coming back. And But we can fight it. And then you struggle within the fighting because you. it's not like you can forget it. If you could forget it and go right back, then that would be great. You never have anything to compare it to, but you always have that knowledge in you that keeps you going forth. And So it's better just to give ourselves over to it and end this thing because you're, it's going to work that way anyway it's 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 just going to reel you in and we're fighting all along the way we can just we can be a very quiet fish and just be reeled in (laughs) or we can fight this thing and still get reeled in so that's and it's it's just a moment but but with the intention at some point in the lines travel the intention gets sharper the sense of the tasting of silence and stillness and presence gets more pronounced and we develop a taste for that and then all of a sudden a threshold is met where we miss it when it's not there rather than trying to find it when it isn't. It's a huge threshold and it happens almost unbeknownst to us. It. It's like, wow, where's, it's like, I feel like something's missing and you realize you're missing. <laughs> 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 yeah, and it's like, oh, well, okay. Now, I can't remember your second one, Kathy.
1: Just that, like, as we're, we have um, difficult periods of time in our lives come up, it's even harder to uh, feel connected to the to whatever you consider your place of renunciation. Like if you're going to be, like, small children or...
0: Oh, I see. Right. Okay, so there are periods of time in each of our lives when circumstances are... You, you just keep it, the best thing you can do is just, you know, just, I don't know what, you could just, to even say stay present is so far removed from what you can do. It's just like you, you see something, a little flicks out of your eye, you know, right? It's like, oh, I think I was, a mo- had a moment of just being aware today, not, the rest of the day I was asleep. It's too many things are being, okay, so that's a phase That's a phase. This is a very hard, this environment of lay life, the ones we all have chosen, is a very, very, um, it's fraught with a lot of opposites in the sense that it, it gives us the best and the worst of environments to practice. And the worst is that it's, sometimes it's completely out of control. Okay, so here's what, here's the, here's the advice. Even if you see a little flick, you know, it's like you catch something out of your eye, that's good enough. Don't expect to catch the whole thing. Don't expect to, to know exactly what you're doing you to handle each thing with such precision and such calm and such equanimity and such mindfulness and then get down on yourself. Forget it. Just catch the flicks. Right? I saw something out of my eye. I felt something. Just that, that. And then when it quiets down, those long periods of blankness will start because your intention was still there. It's the intention that will fill in the blanks. And at a different point in your practice, less and less will be able to take you away. It doesn't mean there will never be anything. It's just less and less will okay so that's what it looks like to awaken don't expect more of that from yourself give yourself over and appreciate what you already can do and I never want to hear "Oh, I've been practicing 10 years and I can only that's not the way to look at this thing that'll defeat you that kind of thought is a terrible thought to have or I'm 50 years old and I just found this Wow! Well, I wish I had found it when I was 20 defeating thought get to know those defeating thoughts Throw them out. And just bring the aliveness. You see, it won't allow the aliveness to show up for you, will it? Won't allow you to meet what you need to meet life with, which is your enthusiasm, your spark. So don't, the defeating thoughts, just release yourself from them. Okay, so here I am, back again. This moment for you is exactly equivalent to this moment for me or anyone else in the room. Okay, now can we meet it? But I haven't been practicing as long as you. Terrible thought.
1: <laughs>
0: I don't, don't do that to yourself. You give your, your empowerment away. This is being totally empowered. He can do it, I can do it, by God. And there it is. Okay. <laughs> well time for one more.
1: I have a question. When um if somebody comes in and says to you, I had an awakening ten years ago, rather than putting you to sleep, I don't understand why you wouldn't say to them, that was your taste that was your taste. That happened to the Buddha too, and that was his taste of awakening. Uh, otherwise, it seems
0: rather shameful. Well, he she says that it's rather shameful if I don't acknowledge somebody's wakefulness. Ten years ago, as being meaningful now, if it isn't showing itself now, to me it's meaningless. Okay, so if you, that's the only way I look at things, and. Whether it, first of all, I have no idea what that means for someone, and they could be saying some 80 percent of the population have had uh, what they call mystical experiences, is that awakening experience. Not from my definition, but it is from theirs. So I'm not going to fight and argue with them about whether they had a wakefulness experience. I'm going to look and see a manife- whether they're manifesting that wakefulness now, and whether they keep relating to what did. Happened back then shows me that they're not. It's a direct opposition to that wakefulness now in terms of their referencing that then. This has nothing to do with the past.
1: You know that like in five minutes.
0: You know that immediately, not in five minutes.
1: You know that in five minutes.
0: You know that immediately. You know that immediately. immediately. That's enough. We've got to go now. Thank you all. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.